20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You want to stop shop for all things green and gold? My name is Mike Willen. I'm joined this week by Gage Bridgeford, and now permanently joining our little trio, Matt Freilich is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. And Well, Matt, welcome to the Forever Sunday Club, and it's good to have you, and let's talk some NFL draft again. Let's do it, man. I mean, it was great talking the draft with you guys and getting up for that. I didn't think we would make this permanent, but you know, it is sad to turn... You know, turn turn the page on the Janelle and Dan and Matt um, saga, but it's awesome to record with you guys every week. Um, you know, and we just have to harass Eli for making this this happen. So, um, but it's awesome. You guys are great to chat with. I love talking to you guys during the week, pre meetings here before we start recording and everything. And you guys' knowledge base is just making me better too. So it's let's let's get into it. Yeah, we're glad to have it have you here, Matt. Uh, it was me, uh, Mike, and Tyler for a long while, and then Tyler uh, stepped away, and I was like, okay, who's gonna who's gonna come and take our that new third spot? And of all the people that we could have gotten, you're a pretty good addition. I appreciate that. For sure. Also, quick disclaimer: no one is social media forms or anything like that. That is not the responsibility of the Pack a Day podcast or anything such forth, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Eli's a good dude. True. With that being said. We're going to take a deep dive into the 6th and 7th round draft picks for the Packers. I mean, they made three of them in those last two rounds. A lot, an offensive lineman, a linebacker, and a running back. All three guys, I think, have intriguing potential. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. I know, personally, Matt and I are going to have a lot of knowledge on our first one. But again, before we get started, quick check out wherever we are on podcast apps, wherever you can find us. Let us know. Give us a like, a comment. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, just give us, a, uh, give us a look on every single place like that. Also on Twitter, at Podcast. That being said, let's jump right in with with the first of the sixth-round picks by the Green Bay Packers, and that was Cole Van Landen out of Wisconsin. And again, Cole Van Landen, Bayport, a Green Bay native, Bayport graduate, Wisconsin Badger for f- about five years, left tackle there. And Matt, you you know him probably you probably know him pretty well, having being up in that area. What do you think he's going to bring to the Green Bay Packers lineup? Uh, simply he's going to bring potential. Like that's really what it is with Cole. Like he's, we talked about his RAS, um, last week it's, you know, uh, I think mid eights. And then when you switch him actually to offensive guard or tackle one way, he gets into the nines regardless, like RAS kind of is out the window at this point. Um, cause we're past that. Now let's get into the actual, what, what can he do? He can bring some, you know, versatility as well, but I think he's a project guy. Like he's, there's the biggest thing that everyone has talked about people that know, um, the position better than I do. <clears throat> that he ha- he just lacks some discipline. He lacks some techniques that just I think can be corrected. Um, but I think he has all the physical skills to be able to you know to slide inside. I don't think he's a left tackle at the next level. I think that's I think we could all agree on that. Um, right tackle potentially guard absolutely. Um, let him get in the mix. I think there's an opportunity to compete at a couple spots right now, um, and those in those five offensive line spots, and we'll see what he can do. I, I'm excited. I think it's just going to be a, a feel good story. Um, there's always one or two of those for the Packers, and this is the easy one right now to take the cake, and we'll see what he can contribute. But I, I really like just him as a prospect. Um, I believe Andy talked about this on Monday, or maybe it was on one of the. The, the video versions on Packaday Podcast YouTube page, like 
he at one point was projected as like a first or second round pick and you get him in the sixth round. It's kind of stupid. Like that's extremely fortunate, great value. Why did he slip that far? Not sure. Maybe it was the the tape that people like, eh, doesn't have the fundamentals, doesn't have the basic technique that we want, et cetera, et cetera. But I think, I think Van Landen will come in and at least compete for one of those spots and to his, you know, to, uh, to help him out a little bit more. It seems that this new regime in the last couple of years between Lafleur and Gutekunst like to have, extra offensive linemen. Um, they like to stack that offensive line room and activate them for the 53-man roster. So I think he's got an opportunity at least to at least to have a chance to contribute one way or another. Yeah, uh, watching him, I haven't watched him nearly as much as either one of you guys have, but when I went and watched him a little bit this week, I saw a guy that's got a lot of power. Uh, I saw a guy that has, like, if you put him in run, like in run blocking sets, he's going to run over a lot of people because he's at he's a he's six five three twelve so he's not the bulkiest guy but he's got a lot of power built into him um and he's just he's more comfortable in run blocking sets and when you go and play at wisconsin that's makes perfect sense because that's what they do there they they run the ball they run people over and that was a strength of van landon he's got to work on his uh foot speed in pass sets when you ask him to pass it in a vertical in like the vertical set He's not the quickest there, and he has a little bit of reach and wingspan issues, which can be a, a bit of a problem uh, when you're talking about the offensive tackle position. But I think he ultimately kicks inside the guard, maybe puts on a little bit of weight, and just fills in there. And as you said, Matt, Green Bay and Brian Gutekinds and Matt LaFleur, they have, over the last couple of years, really focused on having a lot of active linemen on game day, and Van Landen can be one of those guys. He's, he's probably not going to start in year one. But that's okay. When you get a guy in the sixth round, you're not expecting him to start in year one. But if you can get a guy in year one that in the event that somebody goes down with an injury, he can step in and actually contribute for you, that's a good thing. Like if you if he comes in and you just have to try and salt a game away, you're up big, a guy got hurt, and he comes in and just you're going to run the ball with A.J. Dillon for a quarter, Van Lannan can be the bruiser that goes in front of him and gives A.J. Dillon room to work. So I like the pick. Um, I think he's going to be really natural in the run game. If he can improve his work in the in pass blocking, I think he's got a chance to be a really, really talented player. It's just with the way the modern NFL has been, they want long, they want long tackles who are on the younger side, who have good foot speed. Those are not three strengths of Van Landon. He just turned 23 a couple days before the draft. He is only three, he's only 312 pounds, so he can't doesn't have the natural guard conversion. And he's a little little shorter in the arm. But if he can just figure out how to deal with speed in the NFL a little bit better, uh, I think that he could be a solid player for a while. For sure. And you look at uh, Van Lannan's, his bio on the Badgers, uh, UWBadgers.com. They, they made a good point because Matt talked about how he was seen as a potential high draft pick. That was after 2018, after he started he started moving over to left tackle. He was the highest graded offensive tackle by a pro football focus with a grade of 90.4. <laughs> I know him and Tyler Biotish were the highest at their positions in college football that season. Got four letters uh, in his time with at Wisconsin, 19 starts in 45 games. The, in, the problem, though, has been injuries. He's, he's had a lot of upper body injuries. Uh, some, I think this one was, was nerve-related, and he missed plus some time. He missed a couple of games last season with injury. Uh, he missed a couple of games in 2019. Uh, 
was rotating with John Dietzen in 2018. Dietzen, of course, now an undrafted Packer, was rotating with him, and then Dietzen retired for a year, came back, ended up moving into guard originally. But for Van Lannon, second-team All-American in 2019 from CBS, All-Big Ten, second-team academic All-Big Ten for four years, first-team All-Big Ten in the coaches' vote in 2020, second-team by the media. And, yeah, the... Like like H said, he's he's not he's not gonna be playing left tackle. He he can maybe play right side if he is able to get his feet figured out a little bit. And he said during his his post draft uh, press conference that he knows he has to work on his pass pro. He knows he has to work on his hand placement. But if you want him to create a gap and let the running back from behind him, he's the perfect guy to do. It. He is the prototypical Wisconsin road grading lineman. Mm-hmm. And those guys have had some pretty long careers. A guy that comes to mind again is Ricky Wagner. I think Atlanta can have that type of career. Wagner, I think, was a fifth-round pick. They No one thought he could stay at tackle. They thought he was going to be too slow. He didn't have the feet. <clears throat> didn't have the pass, pass protection ability to do it, but he curved out a very long career playing on the outside. I'm not sure if Van Lannan is going to have that type of career, but I think the comparison could be there where he could, if he keeps the, keeps the work ending, it stays healthy, that that potential was there. I have one question before we transition, or if anyone has anything, like... Where are his opportunities going to be a lot smaller just based off how many Packer or how many linemen the Packers have on the roster and they drafted three last year, like, and they brought in Dietzen. Like, is it too cluttered of an offensive lineman room? Do you think for him to get some opportunities or is it not really going to matter? Like the cream's going to climb to the top. I personally don't think so. I think, I think the fact that they're, bringing so many linemen I think is a big thing because you can never have too many so they can rotate guys in with different combinations, different groupings. He can, he, the fact that he has played outside in the past and in, in college will help. Mm-hmm. I think Royce Newman will do this, will have a similar role. They'll put him on the right side and then move on. Sure. He can also be that, that second, third team left tackle if uh, Yash Nijman doesn't develop like they think and in, the, in scout teams and preseason games. But I do think because almost all everyone they draft has been interior the past couple of years. Yeah. It, the, if guys can play outside, I think that's going to bode well for them because they they do need that swing tackle. And while it may be unfortunate that he got number seventy eight compared to the last number seventy eight offensive lineman that they had, or really the last two, that's not the most promising thing. But I do think that there, if he can play outside, that he can he can definitely make it and have a long career. Jason Spriggs and who else? Derek Sherrod. Oh jeez, Mike! Don't put that! Don't put that hate on the man already. Come on. He just did that. He he, he just That's... doomed him, and I, I'm I'm not surprised because Mike is kind of that guy of this show. <laughs> just just likes to wish bad things on good people, but he just hates. I am always it. that guy. You are that guy. Hey, got You got to you got to start over somehow. Maybe maybe Cole can do it. For sure. I guess another couple things on Van Lannen that could help him. I guess it kind of explains why he was the way he was. Why he was very highly recruited also coming into Wisconsin. He's a four-star prospect. Uh, U.S. Army All-American Bowl, two-time All-State at Bayport. Also a track star, discus and shot puts, swept the state championship in both as a junior. Uh, there And so there's there's a lot of stuff there. That, there's a lot of pedigree with him to make it. But again, six-round pick, 214th overall. Very much a lottery ticket. I don't know if he was going to get drafted, but seeing him out there again, that's with him, the big thing is going to be the story, and you know he's going to be a very popular player in training camp in the, in the fall. And he's in, and I'm sure there will be a, there a fair share of Van Lannan jerseys rotating around Green Bay. 
Well, yeah, because everyone that had the Derek Sherrod and the Jason Spriggs jerseys, you know, which there's a plenty full of them, just easy transition. You just rip that off, put the Van Land on the back, and you're good to go. I do have a Ross Verbal one, so I could probably do that. That's that's legit. Also, uh, fourth fourth year in a row that there's fourth year fourth year in a row that the uh, there's been a player drafted out of Green Bay coming out of uh, one of the high schools around here, which is incredible. So it's. It's great to see that because, you know, there's a lot of great talent out of Green Bay, but I think it just gets slept on a little bit. And Alec Ingold's talked about that quite a bit, um, the former Bayport fullback who is now the Raiders fullback. And and, and one who was actually undrafted. Also undrafted. As a non-Green um, Bay-focused uh, resident, um, who who are the other three that got drafted? So we have James Morgan. Um, okay. Receive, or excuse me, uh, quarterback. quarterback. Quarterback went to the Jets. Who's from Schwabenon? Uh, Max Sharping, um, second okay. round pick for the Texans, offensive lineman. Yep. Uh, Khalil, right. Khalil McKenzie, Reggie McKenzie's son, sixth round of the Chiefs. I don't think he's fared very well thus far. And then Alec Ingold's the, the fourth one. Yeah, yeah, McKenzie's played a few different positions. I think. Yeah. Okay. He's, I, I the only like I knew the name Khalil McKenzie, but yep. I only knew it because he was Reggie's kid. Exactly. And that, but the other ones, I was like, okay, yep, James Morgan, I know him. I think I actually had James Morgan on a fantasy roster at one point, just like I had a super deep dynasty Knock league, and I'm just no, you didn't. It was There's a dynasty no roster. It was a dynasty okay. roster. Right. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. In Dynasty, like the roster was like over thirty people, and there's only so many players that are like rosterable. Okay. <laughs> okay, That's but fair. all right, let's go ahead and move on to our next prospect of the uh, of the day, which is Isaiah McDuffie, linebacker uh, out of Boston College. Let's jump right in. Pick two twenty, Isaiah McDuffie. The num the numbers are there. He he was a tackling machine at Boston College. And he seems to be the guy who, who looks like he's going to be able to play a little bit in coverage, but he's also going to be a special teams, for lack of a better word, missile. Because he, he seems to like hitting, and he likes to get downhill. So I'm interested to see what you guys have seen uh, from McDuffie, if you've watched any tape on him. So McDuffie's the one I had to dive into more. Like, I just, I, I Cole Van Landon, I knew about an offense alignment tape, as fun as it is to watch, not that great to just sit down and digest. Kylan Hill? Caught a couple of his games this last few years, so I had a reference point there, and I think he's a good prospect. With McDuffie, I'm like, eh, I'm not really catching a lot of Boston college football games, to be honest. So I had to go and dive in, and like his, he's got he's got good lateral movement for college. He's a sure tackler, which I think can translate into the league, and the Packers have needed that. But the thing with him is, like, I, I just don't know where he fits in. Like, he is he going to be a linebacker? Is he going to be a hybrid safety? Like, I, I don't – I'm not really sure what they're going to do with him. Is it just a simple replacement of, like, Christian Kirksey has gone, we need another body, here's McDuffie in the sixth round? Like, this, to be honest, and I hope we have some sort of argument here um, on the podcast, like, McDuffie was the one pick where I was like, eh, I could have done with someone else at that pick. Everyone else, I was really, really happy with um, who they brought in. But McDuffie to me is just like I don't, I don't see what his skill set translates. Another thing to mention too is, so he, if you watch his tape, like he's very quick. Like he's he's quicker than I expected him to be. However, I don't know if that translates into the league. Like I got a, I got a lot of. Um, I got a lot of like uh, Jake Ryan, AJ Hawk, those types where he's like uh, Blake Martinez, like tackling, like meeting a guy at the edge and kind of tackling from behind where I don't know if that works 
from the speed transition from college to the NFL. So that's my only concern. And also, if you look at like his 40 time and I think his 20 yard split are like really, really good, but his short, like three cone drill and whatnot are horrendous. Like, and I think that's a problem and a concern because like you want him in small areas to be able to be explosive. And I don't know if he's got that. So maybe he'll come in and be a special teams missile, as Mike mentioned. But to be honest, I, I'm, I'm not holding my breath on Isaiah McDuffie contributing at all. Yeah, like you said, um, his three-cone drill, 24th percentile, 20-yard shuttle, 23rd percentile. 40-yard dash was in the 76th percentile, 20-yard split in the 20th percentile. And his explosiveness doesn't make a lot of sense. His vertical jump was only at the 30th percentile, but his broad jump was in the 72nd. Generally, if someone tests well on one of those, they test well on the other one. So it throws me off when someone tests almost just like terribly on one and well on the other one. But mm-hmm. the McDuffie stuff, I do agree. He is not super quick in lateral areas, but he looks better on tape in terms of like pass coverage. He's got fluid pedal. He's got, he's got good lateral mobility. He's springing in directions. He just, he's got to learn. He's just, it's going to take time for him to excel in that area. He's not a good run defender. That's not his thing. He, if anything, you're bringing him in, as Mike said, he's going to be special teams guy. And then you hope that he can develop into a coverage player with Kamal Martin and uh, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, Chris Barnes being your primary run defending linebackers. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be what McDuffie does. He's not going to be a run defending guy. That's just, it's not his thing. He's just, he's never been, that was never his strength. Um, I've done a little bit of my own work in terms of like watching him. And then I've read some other reports on people who watched him more in depth than I have. Uh, And run defending just wasn't his thing. He's more of a pass coverage guy, and but you have to. It's going to take time because he's got to work on his processing. He's just that's just not his thing right now. He's he's really raw, and it makes sense. The guy went in the sixth round. No, no duh. He's going to be a raw player that's going to need time to develop. So, I think that he has the potential to become a like at least a special a strong special teamer and maybe an occasional like coverage linebacker on third downs. But I'm not not holding my breath yet it's going to take a little bit of time before i'm like yeah no this guy is ready to be a regular contributor for a defense that has uh championship aspirations for, for sure and a couple things that do go in his favor he's only 21 he's, he's still young he was one of the younger guys they drafted this year and playing against those se these some of those passing offenses in the acc mm-hmm. will help like playing clemson for multiple years playing north Car- led north carolina offense he had 12 tackles against north carolina this past year including a sack. He had 16 tackles against Notre Dame back in November, 10 against Clemson, including a tackle for loss. So he, he's put up good stuff, good, again, good numbers again against top tier competition. He had a quarterback hit against Notre Dame, so he brought Ian Book down to the ground, which could be a future if the Packers and Saints play going in in, in a few years. <laughs> but I, I now that that inside linebacker rooms can be very very interesting because you have Barnes and Martin who you think are locks for the roster those guys aren't going anywhere but then you have McDuffie Ty Summers Oren Burks there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot going on there and special teams will be the factor and the Packers released a video yesterday uh their Packers one-on-one series and Larry McCarron was talking with Goody and he talked about special they drafted partly for special teams they're expecting Shamar John Charles to do special teams. Uh, Kylan Hill said he's willing to do special team stuff. McDuffie 
they they really look at him as being a special teams guy who's going to get downhill and cause havoc. Because if he if you just have him run a straight line and go hit the returner, I think he can do that very well at at his size and at his at his and his, and his ability. And I think he's kind of said as much as well. He knows he's got to take the time and and go make the plays and work his way up from special teams like a lot of his predecessors have. <clears throat> But it's it's interesting. Yeah, his lateral movement isn't the greatest, but he but like H said, he does seem fluid. Yeah, in he what did. he does, which is which is something. So you can you can build up some of the lateral mobility through gym work, through on field work, but fluidity is something that you don't is isn't something you can really coach up. You either have it or you don't. And so and if he can, if he can be fairly consistent moving around in space on the field, that bodes well for his future. I agree. So now we got one more player to talk about. Now we're going to travel back to the SEC. Their final pick, 256 in the seventh round, running back Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Of course, Hill probably best known for his work off the field and his work getting the Mississippi flag changed. Very good job for him. Kudos to him for that and yes. really kind of putting his foot down on that and, ma- and making that happen. That that I think it's a very big character thing for this team bringing in. I know... The Packers made a very conscientious effort to draft high character guys. They always have, and I think Hill's gonna be a good part of that. Best student, he won the best student athlete in Mississippi award, the Connerly Trophy in 2019. First team All SEC by the Associated Press in 2019. Twice on the PFF National Team of the Week in 2019. Academic Honor Roll, Offensive Player of the Week, and National Player of the Team Player Team of the Week in 2018 against Kansas State. He was a preseason watch list for the Doak Walker Award going into last season. Also the Maxwell Award preseason watch list until Mike Leach became their coach. And this is a very intriguing pick. I mean, Hill's got all the tools he wants. And I see a little bit of Jamal Williams in him. Hmm. I mean, you could, yeah, I don't think that's a bad comparison. Um, I, I like Kylan Hill, like straight up. Like I was like seventh round pick, see what you can get. And like a guy that can come in and contribute. I thought they needed to get a running back. I love the value. In the seventh round, um, as you mentioned, great off the field stuff, academically solid, and the Packers always look for guys like that that are intelligent, have interests outside of football, and are you know can be an asset to this community um, of Green Bay. So I, you know, there's he's got a, he's got banged up a little bit a couple times, but he's a running back. Like that's, that's going to happen. I'm not too concerned about that at all. Um, I guess the one concern is like why was he. Eh, and the easy answer is like what Mike's kind of mentioning, like when uh, the new coach came in, it's like, well, did it just not fit schematically or what? I mean, I feel like players play, coaches coach. I don't know why he couldn't have at least contributed that way. But overall, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I think there was a huge need there with Jamal Williams leaving. Um, I'm the biggest Dexter Williams hater, as I've previously mentioned on this podcast, so I don't see him contributing. Pat Chick Taylor's a nice prospect. We'll see what he does, but it really, I think Kylan Hill has an opportunity to be on the active roster, to be honest, um, on game day. I think he could come in and be a spell running back. He's decent in pass protection. He can catch. Like I, I'm, I'm fairly confident Kylan Hill will make this team. I just, I think there's a lack of talent at that running back position outside of obviously the the two-headed monster AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones um but I, I like Hill um from what I saw um, when I watched his games this year to watching tape to hearing other people talk about him um I feel like a lot of people are optimistic about it so that's only convincing me more that he can contribute uh, a quick note on so you said 
why wasn't he like a scheme fit or what was the issue? Why didn't Hill get as much work? It simply comes down to it's the scheme. The uh, the yeah. scheme for like the air raid offense under Mike Leach is not running back friendly. It never has been. It never will be. Uh, there's a reason like Max Borgie was the running back at Washington State and he couldn't ever get. You could never get anything consistently going, especially in the passing game, because everyone's like, oh, this guy can be he could be Christian McCaffrey. But he could never do that because they because the array didn't design screen didn't design passing work for him. Same thing goes for Kylan Hill. They just there was not work designed for him. He would line up as a receiver and just nothing would get designed for him at all. Everything was designed to go to receivers and down the field. Mm-hmm. It was so that's the thing. The thing with Hill was. The Mike Leach hiring was the worst possible thing for him. When Leach was announced there, everyone was like, well, Kylan Hill's stock is going to go immediately down. And sure enough, that's what happened. Kylan Hill was one of the top probably six or seven running back prospects entering the summer last year. And then he just never really got to build on any of that. Mike, I, when you made the Jamal Williams comp, I was kind of like, I, I don't know. I didn't necessarily see, think if I saw that. And then as I thought about it a little more, I was like, OK, I can kind of see it because he's not. He's not an elite burst guy. He that's not somebody does. He can do a little bit of everything for you. Kind of a jack of all trades, master of none type. Granted, Jamal Williams was a master of pass blocking. We all know that. Some of like his athletic comps: Kareem Hunt, J.K. Dobbins, Damian Harris, uh, D.J. Dallas, Spencer Ware. A couple of guys who have either made impacts in the league or are on rosters and with our position to make impacts. I think Kylan Hill, as your seventh-round pick, as your third running back, or battle for the third running back, there are definitely a lot worse players that you can have there. He's got decent vision. Uh, when he sees the hole, he's going. He's not going to dance around again like Jamal. So the more I think about it, he's got good, uh, he's got good contact balance. He's going to be able to, like, I've seen most people say that his ideal role is as a number two in a committee. And right now, he wouldn't even be required to be anything other than the third best running back in that room. So you can you can do a lot worse on day three. Like I've said, mm-hmm. is on day three, I don't care about draft positioning. I don't care what you're taking. Just if you're throwing darts, throw a dart that you think can hit. And I think Kylan Hill is at least good enough to be on a roster. While he, never, he may never be a stud running back for you, he can always give you a decent level of play when he's on the field. For sure, and I think one thing that'll help him, the one, the one thing that may have helped him with the Mike Leach thing was he had 23 catches in three games last year in that system. He had 23 catches, 237 yards, and a touchdown. So he showed that he's a threat as a receiver under Mike Leach, which if there's any benefit to that, it'd be that for running backs. They, if they can show that they can be weapons out of the backfield. One thing to mention, too. This game, <clears throat> and... Sorry, go ahead, Matt. Okay. No, I was just going to say, I, I want to get this stat out here before I forget it. Um. One thing to mention, too, with him, and it's if you've looked any further, 25 games he's played, one fumble. That's I, I love that. That speaks volumes, and I think that, that's phenomenal. So go ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you more. I say the, the one game I'd recommend is 2019 tape against Arkansas. Though okay. that game, was he was crazy in that game. 21 carries, 234 yards, and three touchdowns with a long of 62. Also had a catch in that game. He was on the national. Uh, play, he was on the national team for Player of the Week that week. That he had 1,350 yards rushing. A seven-year game against uh, Louisiana. The uh, also known as Louisiana Lafayette and Elijah Mitchell had 197 there. 153 against Abilene Christian. 150 against Texas A&M. 
Like, he, he put up some pretty good numbers against only the one fumble. That's a big thing. It also goes back to my Jamal Williams comment because Jamal never drops a football or fumbles, which <clears throat> which I'm not sure he'll ever have that happen, which <laughs> is, is a great thing to have. But but with with Hill, he he's going to do a little bit of everything if they need him to. I'm sure he's going to come in, play some special teams, maybe be a lead blocker on the kick return team. He can come in, be that third back, use him on some passing downs, use him as a spell for AJ Dillon Jones, him and Dylan in the backfield, and Jones in the slot with Amari Rogers. That'd be because uh, I think all of them can be different weapons in different styles. Absolutely. Uh, which do you guys have a preference on? Who do you think? Is, I mean, maybe not a preference. Who do you think? realistically has a shot at being on the 53-man roster? All of them, none of them, what are our thoughts? I think the best, the one with the best chance is McDuffie, and the and I know that's, I think he's the one that we talked the least highly about today, and it right. sounds weird for me to say that, but he's also the guy that's going to the position with the least depth. Like, you're go, he's going to go play linebacker. We already talked about earlier that uh, Christian Kirksey was not, was no longer on the team. You have uh, Kylan Hill, who's going to a depth or a running back room that has obviously Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon ahead of him. And then we talked about Patrick Taylor and then uh, Dexter Williams, aka uh, Matt Fralick, uh, his uh, his favorite player of all time. Hate him. Hate him. Um, and then you have Cole Van Lannen, who we talked about. Green Bay drafted three three linemen last year. And they also still have Yosh Nijman on the roster from the 2019 draft. You had Josh Myers and Royce Newman get drafted ahead of Van Lannan, as well as John Dietzen, who got uh, who was signed to the roster. So there are a lot of guys at interior on on the offensive line, but I think Van Lannan. So I think Van Lannan's in a crowded room. Kylan Hill's in a crowded room. McDuffie is going to a room where it's Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin. Oren Burks, Ty Summers, who Oren Burks, I'm not convinced, is going to make the roster. And Ty Summers, special teams guy. So I think, if anything, Isaiah McDuffie takes the Oren Burks spot. I like Oren Burks. He's just never been able to put it together. So I think that McDuffie could take his spot on the roster, and that's what we can end up seeing happening. So for me, if I'm picking one guy that can make the 53-man, Isaiah McDuffie is the one that I would say I think I had the most confidence in him. I don't necessarily think he's the best player between the three players we talked about today, but just looking at the way the roster is currently constructed, it's where I'm at. Yeah, I personally go, I think Kylan Hill's probably the most likely to be on the 53, just because you talk about the depth of that room. Patrick Taylor's still unproven. I, I like what his potential, and hearing him talk with Andy on YouTube a couple weeks ago, I thought was really, really enlightening on what he can bring. Because he was, he was a key part of a very deep, Memphis backfield when he was in college there. He was a very key part of that in, with now, I think, three NFL players that were in that backfield his last or his last season. That's just, You can't overlook that. But I think Hill's got the inside track to that third spot already. I think the skill set's there. Mc, McDuffie's interesting because Oren Burks, they, there's talk about moving him as like a hybrid outside-inside guy because he, he, he showed a little bit to be able to come out, play outside a little bit. And he is a core special teamer, same with Ty Summers. But so they have three guys who can really be key special teams guys. And plus Kamal Martin, who we've seen him make some fun special teams plays. Uh, so the, I think there's that there. Van Landon's got a tough a tough road. Mm-hmm. I mean, like H said, he's got all the draft picks from the past few years. and Guys like Yosh Nijman. Obviously, Lucas Patrick coming back for another year. Another guy to, that, that, and that the guys will discuss tomorrow in their deep dive for the undrafted guys is Gage's favorite Hoosier, Koi Kronk. 
who I know the team is seems to be pretty high on, who had some pretty good years for Indiana before going to Iowa for his final season. Another offensive line prospect to keep an eye on. That that competition during camp at the offensive line is going to be so much fun to watch. Then Lance probably got the toughest road, mm-hmm. and I think Hills probably got the easiest. But all three eventually probably will find a way onto the 53. If anyone doesn't, it'd be Van Lannan, but I can't see him going to another team. He's at very least going to be on the practice squad this for one year and bulk up a little bit, get in the gym a little other year to move up as guys start to move on because this could be the final year for a couple of guys that are mainstays on this offensive line. Yeah, I don't really have one, to be honest. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I could be convinced either way on all three guys. If I really, really had to force my hand, I would say Kylan Hill. But I could easily make an argument for everyone. Sure. So as we wrap things up, of course, stay tuned tomorrow as the group takes a look at the undrafted guys, a lot of which came from the Big Ten and a lot of which came from Iowa, including Gage's favorite Hoosier, Koi Kronk, and Jack Heflin, Carlos Kemp, and John Dietzen, and, and Jack. And there's a, there's a lot of guys. There's seven or eight guys to break down that they will do tomorrow for you guys. As you wrap things up, uh, Matt, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter still at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Uh, you can, that's basically where you'll find all the content I'm a part of. Uh, Game on Wisconsin, Pack-A-Day, anything marketing related for my full-time job. But right now I'm super pumped to get past the draft and kind of transition, get to that next, next benchmark, which is uh, May 12th, the schedule to come out. So excited for that. We kind of already know the opponents and where we're going to play them, but just to get everything solidified is fantastic. Um, but as we continue through the, the summer, I'm pretty jazzed to be having some other content coming out too. So look forward to that. Uh, before September, but make sure you're following us on all of our pages for Pack a Day. Make sure you're subscribed. Uh, check out Andy's YouTube page. I think he's probably broke some record for starting a YouTube page and having so much um, success. But more power to him. Um, but Gage, where where can everyone find your content, bud? As usual, you can find me on Twitter at gbridgefordnfl. That's where uh, all of my stuff is. Still doing some writing work for Rotoballer, Dynasty Nerds, uh, Denver <clears throat> Stiffs. Obviously, the uh, Denver Nuggets coverage is heating up with the playoffs getting ready to be here. Uh, we're doing some uh, Rotoballer. I know that we're doing a lot of um, fantasy breakdowns of player landing spots and who did like player stock up and down. Just like by guys not getting drafted or not guys uh, getting drafted to rooms that were seen as, oh, man, I should definitely draft this guy versus now like Eric Ebron. Everyone thought, oh, that's guy, that's a guy that's going to be another solid fantasy tight end. And then they drafted Pat Fryermuth in the second round. So that but that's where you can find all my work. It's easiest to find it just on my Twitter because otherwise you guys are going to be scrambling around to too many different websites. For sure. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wentland, all one word, W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. You can find my work mostly on ZaleskiSports.com. That's Z-A-L-E-S-K-I Sports.com. I do a lot of broadcasting. I got three baseball and softball games in the high school scene this week all over central and north central Wisconsin covering Nina, Pacelli, Marshfield, so on and so forth, places like that. So look for me on that way. Also, tennis, track and field, all that kind of stuff. I cover a variety of sports for, for them, and it's it's a lot of fun. So follow me there. Of course, follow us on at Packaday Podcast on Twitter. Follow the YouTube channel. Andy's been doing incredible work there, doing a, getting a couple player interviews, talking a lot of stuff, and he's he's been exceptional down there. And check out the guys tomorrow as they break down the undrafted free agent class. So for that being said, we'll wrap things up. For Matt Freilich and for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wendland saying so long, everybody. Everyone, stay safe. Always carry the G and go Pack Go. Thank you.